0: Welcome to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. Once again, my name is Wilson Van Hooser, and I'm the senior pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. What's in a name? This famous line from William Shakespeare in his obviously very famous work, Romeo and Juliet, has echoed throughout the centuries. What's in a name? Names cause us to buy certain products or refuse to buy certain products. Names can cause two strangers to quickly unite, or it can cause two friends to quickly fall apart. Our names go before us. They they seem to travel to the people even before we get there. It's interesting why we even have names. In Genesis 1, 3 through 5, we, we find the very first instance of anything or anyone being named. We read here, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God call God separated the light from the darkness. God, here it is, He called the light day, and He called the darkness night. So, He's naming them. He named the light and the darkness. He he labeled them, and when He's doing that, He's giving it its purpose. Names, they also help us remember someone or remember something. Whenever we are named, it brings about a response. You can think about this when maybe you've been in a very crowded place such as a sporting event or a concert and you've drowned out all the surrounding noise, but then someone shouts your name and it immediately grabs your attention. Well, names are clearly very important and there's a reason why God reveals his name to us. And he does so, so that we would call upon him, so that he, he would respond to us. What's actually very fascinating is that we need to remember, God did not have to tell us his name. God is sovereignly taking the initiative in a very intimate action to reveal his name to us. And he doesn't just reveal one name but he reveals many names that he has. That's actually what we're gonna do all season. We're gonna look at the different names of God and and by knowing the different names of God, we're gonna learn what it's like for us to relate to him and how he relates to us. We see the importance of God's name even in the third commandment. God says in Exodus 20, verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Why so serious of a command? Because God wants us to think about him rightly. He he wants us to relate to him rightly. He even wants us to know how he relates to us. So when we get his name wrong, we, we think and relate to him wrongly. This is why... A.W. Tozer, the theologian of the 20th century said, uh, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the first name of God that we have is actually the very name God itself. God in Hebrew is the word El. Think about sometimes whenever you nickname or shorten the name Elizabeth, sometimes you say El. Well, El is the Hebrew word for God. It is the singular form of Elohim, uh, which means gods. El is a supernatural being who is the absolute sovereign. That's what it means in Hebrew. It's giving the picture of someone who is the creator of all things. He is the absolute ruler of all things. There is nothing outside of his control. L is the greatest imaginable being. That's what that word means. And because of that, L is meant to be the object of all worship. It's awesome this word L is actually Uh, what is going to be the prefix of a lot of the names of God that we'll look at this season, we see the name El Olam, which means the everlasting God. El Elyon, the most high God, or El Shaddai, the almighty God. El is the God of all creation, and therefore the God of all peoples. Here's why that's important. Because El is God, we do not make him God. We either acknowledge him to be God or we blind our own eyes and we harden our own hearts to pretend like he is not God. But how does this change the way we relate to him? How in the world does this very name God change my relationship with him and how I view how he relates to me? Well, really the most significant one is how I understand the gospel of grace. Because this is who Jesus is. Jesus, who is the Son, the second person of the Trinity, that everything that makes L, L, is Jesus. Everything that makes God, God, is the Son. And when the Son takes on flesh, it's God in our flesh. In other words, Jesus, the the one who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, who was born underneath the law of God to redeem us from the law, he is El. What is so wild to think about is that El, in his very being, could not suffer. He, 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 He cannot change, therefore he cannot increase to be better or decrease to be worse. He is always L, but here's the mystery. Somehow, way, L took on flesh so that he could suffer in our place. The gospel of grace is seen already in the very name L. And when we realize that, that Jesus is L in our flesh, we realize the worth and value of everything that Jesus did. So when Jesus forgives my sins, he, he forgives them with an infinite and eternal worth, as it were. When Jesus imputes to me his righteousness, that righteousness is not merely the righteousness of the perfect man. It is the righteousness of the infinite and eternal one. What happens is that when I believe in Jesus, when I come in union with Jesus, now El, God, he sees me as if I were just as righteous and valuable as Jesus. That's amazing. But here's the second way it changes how we live. Because of Jesus, that means El is our God. He, he is not just our God He is our friend. And I want you to ponder that for a second. Maybe even pause this just to think and pray about it. El, the sovereign one of all creation, is now your friend, which means he rules all things in your favor. Everything that is created has to submit to him. His plan, his sovereignty runs the day. Nothing is outside of his control. And that means that the more I trust that I can go about my day in complete trust that no matter what happens, no matter how evil it might be, everything is in El's hands. And he knows how to reverse the curse in my life. Isn't that amazing? I think this really speaks to those of us who struggle with anxiety. And and to be sure, there are... Many different influences to anxiety, but worship is always the most central influence. Maybe you're anxious because of what you see on the news or anxious because of where you think the world might be heading. You might be anxious about your children who are just starting school or maybe who've gone off to college. You might be anxious because you just started college. But do you know what's amazing? When you believe in Jesus, you have this God, El, who is always at your right hand. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. You don't always have to feel that way, but the ultimate reality is that that is your relationship with El. You cannot possibly be in greater hands because the hands that you are in, they move all time and all creation wherever he wants them to go. And it's because of his great love for you that he is working all things for his glory and your good. So here's what I want you to do for the rest of the day. Learn to say short prayers every time you have an anxious thought that comes to mind. And even learn to pray this, something like this. My God and my King, teach me that you are El, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Grant me more faith to trust that that this situation is not outside of your control. And even if there might be lots of sin and suffering, my own or others in this, remind me that you are sovereignly working all things to reverse the curse of sin. Help me to trust you, no matter what comes my way. What you need to know today, my friend, that above all, if you have Jesus as your Savior, you also have Jesus as your L, And everything, even when it appears most chaotic, everything is in His control.